everybody to this edition of Live, Work, Play. Today, I'm uh, thrilled to have the Executive Director of READY, the Regional Economic Development uh, Initiative of Northwest Alberta, Andrew O'Rourke. Uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about what is happening in READY and uh, just various other topics in economic development. So thanks for joining me today, Andrew. Hi, Paul. Thank you, Thank you for having me on. Oh, absolutely a pleasure. And uh, I know you've been in economic development for quite some time here, um, but just wondering if you could uh, let everybody know a little bit about yourself and what's happening these days in Ready. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, I've been in economic development um, since 2013. So coming up on a decade now, um, I started off with... Uh, as an economic development officer at McKenzie County, where I stayed for about six years. Um, and now I, as you mentioned, I manage the Northwest Alberta RIDA. Um, uh, and I'm also the business analyst and also a community futures in Northwest Alberta. So I actually get um, a bit of experience on both sides. With Ready, I get to look at the, uh, the larger, bigger economic picture for the entire region. And then as a community features business analyst, I get to um, work one-on-one then with business owners and, and entrepreneurs in the region. So, uh, yeah, yeah I've, been, I've been up here for a decade. And originally, I'm from Ireland. And I grew up in the capital city in uh, Dublin. And uh, uh, went to college probably over in, well, Went to college over in Limerick, which is um, on the opposite side of the country, where I uh, studied property valuation or property economics. So something very different from economic development. So I'm not sure if I would have pictured myself in economic development when I first left school or in my college years. But now a decade into it, uh, you know, quite enjoying it. Yeah, well, that's great. I I think uh, one of the things we find in economic development is there's lots of different people from different backgrounds that uh, land in economic development and can bring lots of different uh, experience and, and depth of different topic areas. So that's that's awesome that, uh, that you bring that along uh, to the region for sure. Yeah, I, I often think about that myself. I think of uh, you know in property valuation or property economics, you know you're trying to sell real estate. You're, you're marketing a property here. I'm trying to market the opportunity or the community or the region. Very similar. You know, you're, you're still trying to sell the, the ideas or the, you know, the local economy um, to bolster it. And so, yeah, it, it does complement itself. The stuff that I learned back in college, back in the day, um, bring it all to, you know, to the, uh, to the job on a daily basis. Yeah, that's that's great, Andrew. And uh, yeah, the fact that you've been able to do that for over 10 years now uh, says a lot about uh, the work that you do and, uh, you know, the amount of energy that you put into that role. Uh, it must be fascinating to have both the uh, the ready, the regional economic development RITA side of things, as well as the community future side uh, in order to get I would imagine hands-on with a lot of people in the area that are looking at uh, developing new businesses. Yeah, indeed. And, um, you know, with Community Features, um, they've been around for 25 
years in our region. Um, and I really enjoy that position and, and going out for coffee and meeting those business owners or entrepreneurs who really want to start something and, and getting an idea of where they're currently at uh, with the, the background that they have and, and what scope they would in order to develop their business. And um, so it really complements it, itself and um, the two positions uh, combined into one. Uh, and uh, yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you get to see, I pre, I'm, I'm guessing people come in your office or, or connect with you online and they may or may not exactly know what they want to do, but then you're able to guide them through the process of uh, narrow things, narrowing things down, helping them out with uh, putting together business plans and that kind of thing. Yeah, indeed. They're, pretty much they do know what they want to do. Um, they're, they've already, a lot of people put a lot of research and time and energy into before approaching community features or a bank. Um, you know, often where the last process is to get the finance. They've already developed that idea in the head and their head, and they just need to get it down on paper and um, you know explain it as best as possible to us, and so we can understand it and and give them the resources that they need in order to process. Is there a particular type of new entrepreneur that you deal with, uh, or would be sort of the the typical case that you might deal with? Um, in our region, well. Quite diverse. It's everything from people wanting to buy a piece of machinery in order to do some processing, um, or a piece of equipment, and to to operate and to get contracts um, with government. And um, and then uh, we've actually even gone as far as sending people from with um, from Community Futures uh, to get products patented, um, which is amazing because that means they're you know they're innovative. They're looking for the future, and they're um, they're seeing that opportunity and really wanting to progress it. Is there a particular example, Andrew, that you'd like to share with us about where that happened? Uh, for think, example, the, the patent route. Uh, the patent one might be a little bit confidential. Um, yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, I think I, for community futures, uh, I do have to be quite careful with um, examples that I use, unfortunately. Yeah, understood. What are some of the things that you would want people to know about the Ready region these days? Yeah, so we're um, we're up in the northwest Alberta, and we're the region is actually um, the full uh, perimeter of Mackenzie County, which is about eighty thousand square kilometers, which is about the same size as New Brunswick, and. Um, and we have a population of only around 25,000 people. And that um, that includes the, the county, the town of High Level, and the uh, town of Rainbow Lake, and, and also including our, our First Nations. So, um, and we're quite spread out between towns. There's about 100 to 150 kilometers between uh, different towns, all very different diverse communities with different backgrounds and different economic drivers. We have um, a large uh, forestry industry up here. Um, with, we even have the, the largest sawmill in Alberta is based in, in the Ready region, uh, Toco in high level. Um, and we also, so they do dimensional lumber. And then there's also um, West Fraser, uh, which is a um, OSB mill. 
so both of those are huge big economic drivers. Um, agriculture also plays a huge part in our region. We're the most northern agricultural zone in all of Canada. So um, the agriculture that um, the the grains and, and um, oil seeds that come out of our region are actually quite unique. And there's another big economic driver within our region in agriculture is that we actually have um, over half of all the organic farmers in the province are based up here in in our region. So very much a um, very concentrated area of organic farming, which is pretty spectacular and quite the opportunity that we need to um, exploit now in the future. Yeah, and that's so on point with the way people are shopping these days for organic produce and uh, that kind of uh, activity, I guess, is uh, just a great way to differentiate yourself from some of the other locations in Alberta. I had no idea that 50% of the organic growth in Alberta was in the recognition. So that's that's a great share. Yeah. Are there uh, particular projects in 2023 that you're most looking forward to? Um, well, yeah, we're ready. Um, yeah. Um, uh, we kind of have a two-prong approach for um, Investment interaction. I think investment interaction is the big um, play that I kind of really enjoy working on at the moment. Um, we want to assist local people with opportunities in our region to, to start smaller businesses processing natural resources, as well as we also want to um, attract businesses from or companies from outside of our region that would complement our our large-scale industries such as our forestry, energy, and agriculture. So the project, one of the projects that I'm working on at the moment uh, this year is actually it's a, it's a site selection um, and community profile project. And only last week we hired uh, a local person here to do a deep dive into 11 different sites in six different communities across the region. Where um, where eventually we'll get to know, you know, everything about each of those sites from its ownership or its price per acre, you know, what the utility costs are, and what's the capacity of the, the local water treatment plant next close by, you know, what kind of power grid is nearby, and even road infrastructure, municipal taxes, does it have rail access? And these, you know, each of these sites very unique in each of its communities but you know we never had this information before and i feel i was always left scrambling and to respond to requests for information you know if if a request came in for let's say from uh, invest alberta or alberta ag and forestry you know sent up a site location location request you know i didn't have that information available to me so this is really filling that gap for uh, in attracting investment from outside of our region and to have to have those sites and um, you know there'd be you know 15 20 acre greenfield sites you know next to road and rail um, it really hones down and gives us that opportunity to promote them as well so part of that project actually it's fantastic we're, we're doing a, a two-page and um, breakdown of that site each site and we'll have a drone picture of it Wow, that's, yeah, that's going to be a great uh, asset to have in in your 
in your back pocket because anyone out there who has in, been involved in investment attraction in the past knows uh, it can be difficult to start looking at and chasing uh, different locations when you may not have a lot of uh, the baseline information available to you in order to move it forward. So, I mean, certainly I've been in situations where you know you get a request and then you've got usually in the case of say in uh, investment Alberta. Uh, you've got a limited time frame in order to turn around a response and and then uh, you're trying to find out all kinds of information usually like in a short window of maybe even 48 hours or so so being able to find that have that in your back pocket and be able to pass it on uh, and then put yourself in uh, in good competition with uh, anybody else that's uh, being considered for that opportunity is incredible yeah and that's exactly probably how it, it stemmed is that um the request did come in and I was unready and what I did produce wasn't of high quality. I said, okay, we need to do this better. So, and the idea is to keep it updated as well because information gets stale quite quickly. Um, you know, the, especially even, let's say, community profiles with populations and stats. You know, the, to keep it updated with large data um, that can be extracted um, is pretty important as well. Yeah, and I think the uh, the other thing is that these days a lot of this information can be made available through websites and different electronic formats. But the problem with that is uh, you have to keep on top of it and maintain that database. And sometimes we have the resources to get a project off the ground in order to have the first, we'll say, first wave of information that it populates some of these uh, documents and uh, so on. But it can get difficult if you've got so many different things to maintain. Um, but that's a common problem, I think, across the board in a lot of uh, smaller economic development offices is you've got uh, many hats that you have to wear at any given time. And uh, these things are essential for moving things forward. But you're starting to see, I think, uh, at least some of the conversations I've had over the year, uh, groups that are allocating more resources to this because they recognize that they can't just uh, sit on a document that's been there for five or ten years in some cases. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so we we will actually use um, online large data and capture it and, and bring it into our document, but have it in a, in a space that we know that we can exchange it out very quickly, mm -hmm. uh, which is fantastic. We're at that design stage now, knowing that that's the way we want to keep it updated and so in order to build it into our, our profile. And, and I mean, there are all kinds of different tools these days that, uh, you know, maybe in the last 10 years have just become available. Um, some of the things like that are powered by ML or machine learning or, or artificial intelligence that can help in some of these things. So it's probably a good time to kind of look at it and then custom design the type of uh, uh, data, we'll say data pulling uh, uh, format that, that will work for you in the long run. Yes, indeed. And, and Ready actually subscribes to um, uh, an online portal um, to get our large data. Um, and we pay for it on behalf of our three municipal members. So it's, it's extracting that information and um, presenting it then both in, with a written format and you know, a message from the, the mayor and, um, and, uh, and other graphs. And then it also complements them with the site selection as well. 
and then even further with uh, business case development. So when you package it all together, and if you're sending uh, board members or councillors down to a conference, you know you can very much tailor the package, the folder that you know, they have with them that represents our region, and uh, very much with uh, with what that conference is based on. So if it's based on ag, then you're sending all your 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 agricultural business cases and feasibility studies, as well as your your community profiles and site locations, as well as you know if it was forestry, you could do the exact same. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so you've been in Northwest Alberta now for about 10 years. For, for those people that uh, have maybe never been uh, in that part of uh, the province or, or country, uh, what would you say is your, is your favorite part? Huh. <laughs> um, I do love the remoteness of the region. And, you know, in part, it's untouched by humans. And, you know, two or three minutes away from your house, you can be down by the lake with your dogs away from away from the community. Um, I grew up in the city um, where, uh, where you could be anonymous um, in the city. You know, you can go into a store where no one knows you. But what I really like about living up in here is um, I like a small community where I actually... I know the, the business owner when I go into the store to get my groceries and I stop to have a conversation with someone that I know. And we do go down to Edmonton and it is a seven hour drive a couple of times a year. And, but I, uh, I can't wait to get back to my hometown when, uh, when I, I do take those trips. Um, I don't know if I was too, um, if I was to throw a dart at the globe growing up, I don't know if I ever would have envisaged myself up here in Northwest Alberta. But um, now that I've been here for a decade and you know, I've put down some roots, and my wife's entire family, extended family, live here in the same community. So we're pretty much half related to, to most of them. And I really enjoy it. You know, life is extremely complex. You know, I've got kids in school, sports activities, and I just feel it's more doable when it's in in a small town. Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense, Andrew. And there's a lot of people out there that gravitate towards going to smaller communities for that reason, that there's, you know, kind of a support system that's already built into place and people can, uh, yeah, you know everyone that's around you. And uh, so, so it uh, it can be really satisfying that way, and uh, you're not fighting traffic, uh, and you're not uh, well, dealing with some of the headaches that come with living in a bigger center as well. That's exactly it. Um, I often think about that, um, especially when I say traffic, for instance. It is a long drive down to Edmonton, you know, but you do it all in one foul swoop a couple of times a year instead of sitting in traffic for half an hour, forty minutes on your way to work every day. So I always think when I make that drive that I'm already multiple hours ahead um, in time of driving time when I do make that trip down. There's no doubt if you took 200 days out of a year yes, that people are working and you multiply that by an hour and a half in traffic, uh, it really adds up for sure. I mean, that's, you know, almost weeks of time people are spending 
uh, getting to and from work in some cases. So, uh, yeah, it's all about uh, values and, and what, what you really play high, high value on. And it's so great that uh, those opportunities are out there. And, and really, tons of people who are uh, moving to Alberta, of course, we've seen a uh, record number of uh, migration to Alberta in the last year in particular. But uh, some of them that are, that are coming here maybe aren't really aware of some of the opportunities that are in different parts of the province and more accustomed to living in higher density places. But I think the more that that message gets out there, the more that there are people that would gravitate towards that as well. That's just so that's, yeah, that's great that you're looking at um, one of the things I know between Community Futures and uh, Ready is you've got uh, boards of directors that you work with. Um, is there anything you'd want to share with us about kind of what you've learned about uh, doing things with uh, boards of directors and, and the best ways that you can get the most out of your board? Uh, good, one. good one, Paul. Good question. <laughs> and maybe they might be listening. So maybe, I, you know, I have to tell the truth here. <laughs> well, I'm sure that they would have uh, wonderful and positive things to share. Um, but I mean, everyone, I, I, I know for myself, uh, you learn when you're dealing with people in different contexts and boards of directors are, are kind of unique in some ways. But, you know, I've always found that uh, it's great to get different perspectives. And, you know, in your case, probably throughout the region. So uh, I imagine there's there's some uh, some things happening now. Uh, with your board of directors that are, are really positive for sh to share with us. Yes, of course. Um, so yeah, I have a, a very dynamic board. I have councillors who represent each of their communities. And then I also have um, board members which would sit on their local, the four local chambers of commerce within our region and board of trade, along with community futures and Northern Lakes College. So the, the board, um, they're very good at embracing new ideas and concepts. And, you know, just because we did it a certain way before doesn't mean that we have to go down that same path. So I've been with Ready now for three years, and um, we've moved into a phase where, you know, there needs to be actionable items that are delivered. And, you know, there needs to be an impact on each of the local communities with each project that we take on, and. I'm on the ground here in each of the communities, so I get to you know hear the concerns and the optimism of business owners, and I try to translate that into you know actionable projects for each of the communities. And I think, I think um, you know, no one actually likes to to fail, um, but I believe the Ready Board will allow me as as a manager to you know try new directions you know, put some energy and resources behind some of these new initiatives, then give it some time, you know, hear back uh, the results. And some could succeed and, and some go by the wayside. Yeah, that makes sense, Andrew. And, you know, it's so difficult sometimes to balance everything, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, different sectors maybe that you're supporting or different uh, towns or, or villages within the region that, uh, that you know need to have some representation in the types of, types of projects that you do. Um, so, I mean, that's, I think, the big juggling act uh, of any 
executive director or in some cases CAOs that are working with their municipal councils to uh, move things forward. But uh, it sounds like they're uh, really enthusiastic about uh, giving you opportunities to try new things. And uh, that to me is, uh, you know, the mark of a good board is they're willing to try new things and they're willing to give uh, the organization space to, to experiment and and not to be uh, too tight on the reins when it comes to uh, funding some of the activity that's out there. Um, yeah. And uh, I, mean, I, I think I think I do get good support from board members. Um, I believe I do. Um, and you know they see the benefit in the projects that we run for each of their communities. And I like I like the setup that we have, where we. Where, where I bring, you know, discussions to board, you know, I need to get um, an answer. I let them discuss it um, and then they make a decision collectively between them. Um, and that, that probably goes very different. A couple of years ago when I was at county level, there was a little bit of a disconnect between myself and council and which might not have been necessarily a bad thing, but, um, you know, there would be a county director that would have brought that request forward to council but I never really had that I never even I never heard that conversation that happens around the council table to understand the dynamic of different people's point of view you know how the how the project might be perceived in a different way or a different outcome or or even something that maybe I might even have contemplated so it's always good at that board table to to sit and listen and hear the discussion before the 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 final decision is made. Yeah, and I would imagine that uh, one of the things that happens is as you kind of go through that process and you're able to listen to some of the feedback, it gives you a certain amount of comfort that you're doing things in the right way and you're you're heading in the right direction. But uh, at the same time. Uh, Sometimes some of the greatest ideas around the table uh, are those people that uh, are sitting in your board meeting and they're able to share uh, some experience from the past or or something that they, maybe they've just become aware of and looks like a good opportunity to pursue. Yes, exactly. And I have, um, I still have some board members that have been sitting on ready for you know, 16 or 18 years. So there's a wealth of knowledge of previous projects or ideas that have come and gone. Um, and sometimes I think I'm bringing something in initiative and new to the region. Go, oh no, we actually tried that <laughs> back in the early 2000s. So go, oh, yeah. Oh. And it's interesting though because sometimes that can maybe prevent things from being tried again, and conditions change over time. So uh, sometimes trying it 20 years ago might have a completely different result than what we're looking at today, and sometimes. You know, we can stop ourselves from trying something based on the fact that it had been tried in the past. And, uh, but but also, I mean, it's just great to get that kind of feedback so that you know where it's at. And maybe there's a tweak that could be looked at to, to bring it around for a second, a second attempt, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there an area uh, within Ready, within the region, sort of a sector that uh, you think maybe deserves some extra attention. Um, for a project? 
yeah, for a project coming up in the future or uh, or just really a sector that you think has great potential and is, has been underdeveloped in the past? Yeah. Um, so actually, for a couple of years, uh, Reddy's been looking at the Alberta to Rail Line, um, which will go from the Fort Mackay, Fort McMurray area, then up through uh, the Northwest region, um, and then into Alaska to um, to uh, port to sorry, to um, tide tide water in Alaska, and it's been a, it's been an ongoing project, um, and because of our topography and geographic location, um, it'd be fantastic to open up the Northwest Alberta with a rail line um, that would transport products and commodities from our region to ports in Alaska and then maybe onto Asian markets. So that's been a, a project for quite a long time um, that Reddy's been working on. Um, we've looked at the rail line itself, um, which would be uh, parallel to Highway 88 and coming up to, uh, there's, there's lots of opportunity where it would be close to high level where it crosses our existing CN line, um, which it would give access to uh, the lower 48 states. So once the two lines hit, then you can actually transport straight from Alaska down through the Mackenzie line and then on to uh, the US. Um, it also, the, the rail line crossed existing pipelines, um, including at Zama City, where it was a pipeline coming in from the Northwest Territories, where it's the opportunity to put a transload um, piped rail facility. And then Ready has even looked at um, transload facilities close to the Peace River, uh, where we could actually load commodities from our region specifically and around the Fort Main area. So that's been a, a, an ongoing project for quite a long time. Those could be real game changers for uh, the operators in the region now and for developing new industry in the future, no doubt. So yeah, that's it's, um, we had a symposium back in 2018, I believe, where we brought people from Alaska, um, including the governor, and port officials uh, from Valdez down to high level. And then we were we introduced them to the local industry. Um, and then in, since I've been part of Ready then as well, in October 2020, when President Trump issued his cross-border permit for the rail line, then it took on a life of its own again. And we actually had um, a rail company in our region come up to the region and start doing um, consultations with uh, the communities and nations that it could be coming close to. That would be a really exciting project for sure. So speaking about in investment symposia, um, I understand there is an investment symposium coming up in April 2023, which is, you know, just two months away. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's in April and, and I have to get my skates on and start organizing a lot of that. So that'll be the first kind of investment symposium in our region. 
And so for a long time, Reddy's been working on reports and feasibility studies and on business development for our region. And we don't, some of them have sat on shelves and some of them have gone on further into um, you find the right group that would like to develop it, such as even in the last year, we've had a, a new oak processing plant that was built in our region, which would have stemmed from a report that Ready did. And in the last year as well, we've had a, a new ski facility um, opened up for Blue Ridge Mountain Resort um, in the Buffalo Head Hills, um, which was originally a feasibility study from, um, from Ready. Um, but the symposium, uh, you know, we we want ready sees ourselves as kind of that business idea generation tool for the region. Um, there are so many opportunities out there that would fit our re region, and it kind of requires an organization organization such as ourselves really scratch that surface and understand if it is feasible for our region. And then present it out to local entrepreneurs, investors, landowners um, that will be interested in either grouping together and um, developing them out. And it, it really all started from um, our two prong approach for investment attraction, which is um, foreign investment and then also building those businesses from the ground up locally. And back in February of last year, um, Ready did an article in a magazine called Move Up Magazine, which is for the Priest region and Northwest Alberta. And we did an article called Humble Beginnings, where we highlighted two businesses in, in the region that, um, that really started quite small. And then after 15 years of um, after reinvesting constantly by their, their owners, have, have grown into Quite significant businesses with you know 30 employees each one of them was a, a, a sausage factory and um, which now distributes sausages throughout the entire province and the other one was a, a local furniture retailer which has now um, started setting up locations outside of our region and um, but that idea of starting from a small business and constantly reinvesting and growing to a certain extent, we, we, we might feel because of our remoteness that we're not on the radar for some investment or a foreign investment. The, the investment that would be on our radar is very much, you know, investment that would complement our existing industries like our ag and, and forestry and, and our energy sector. But then with the smaller businesses, so we started a, a, a business case and profile project last year and the idea then is that this investment symposium is that we um, present those opportunities and we get up some uh, entrepreneurs who have already tried out these businesses and in, in, in created their own companies um, and use them as examples in other parts of the province and, and show how feasible that it actually is. That's a great idea, and I think uh, provides a blueprint for uh, locals in particular to consider establishing things that have worked elsewhere uh, in the province. So um, that's a, just a great move on Reddy's part to, to 
sort of grab the bull by the horns and, and move forward with the, the business cases and the uh, and then showcasing them in the symposium in April. Yeah, I think it's it's a whole new strategy, um, and the business cases, you know, they're they're specific to our region, and they're you know they're with local dollars that will be invested. So they're, they're not huge, big, twenty million dollar projects, but they're more under the under a million dollars up to about five million dollars in investment capital. And for a lot of, uh, in some cases, people who have land, maybe they're currently operating a farm and they're involved in the ag sector, uh, it may make sense for them to sort of start up a, a business as part of that uh, land base that they already have uh, in place and then uh, produce something unique for the region that can be uh, grown and uh, sold across the province and beyond. So, um, yeah, those are those are great ideas. I know a few of them out there are, uh, you know, some increasing kind of focus on on honey production as well as uh, craft canola and uh, some food and drink uh, along the lines of microbreweries and different things along that line that might not already exist in the Ready area. Yeah. Um. So. We did the first ten uh, business cases, and I'd I'd love to actually commission another ten. Um, we'd have to get the the, the board and uh, even community engagement in order to figure out what the next ten could be. And um, you know the the business cases themselves they make sense. And um, when you when you mentioned their um, craft canola crushing, you know we don't have the capacity in our region for a large scale um, coal per, or canola crushing plant. You, you need over a million acres for a, a large-scale canola crushing, crushing plant. But what we do have is we have um, we have a very high-quality canola that's grown in our region. We have a very short, intense growing season where, because of our, uh, our proximity um, to, let's say, for being the most northern agricultural zone in Canada, so we have uh, long summer days uh, with about 20 hours of sunlight. So our farmers actually feed late and then they harvest early. So our, um, And it does some unusual things to our crops where our canola actually has significantly higher omega-3s in it. Um, and at the moment, we don't get um, a premium for our canola that's, that's grown up here. And I do know that it is mixed with canola grown throughout the entire province. And it actually brings up the entire, the quality of the canola for the entire province. But what if you were to um, use a cold press in our own region and um, you know, bottle this um, canola and at a, a unique quality? So that's one of the opportunities. Yeah, there's uh, so much that can be done uh, in unique ways of processing. It sort of ties into the, you know, that 50% of the province's organic production taking place in the in the Ready region uh, makes good sense that some of these other opportunities could come about as well. And and then you you sort of add uh, honey production in where canola is being produced, and then that enhances production of canola. So. Uh, there's a bit of a snowball that you can build around 
starting off one or more of these business cases. So that's a, it's a, just a great scenario for any economic developer to know uh, if you do one thing, it could lead to something else, which could build on something else, which could build on t- to yet another uh, case down the road. So I think it's just amazing how proactive and uh, innovative Ready has been willing to be about doing this kind of work. And it uh, really does set the bar for uh, this type of activity in, in uh, different regions in Canada, for sure. Oh, thank you, Paul. It, it's just a matter of trying something different, um, and we just said let's let's move into a do, doing phase of uh, ready, um, and some of these business cases just make sense, and it, it takes now a, a group of entrepreneurs or uh, local business people who, who want to venture into it. Then, you know, they'll start asking questions themselves, and you know, the business case only um, explains it to a certain extent. And, and it might require a full feasibility study afterwards, but it really does incite that uh, discussion to start happening and uh, locally. And that's what we really want to happen at that um, showcase event in April. Absolutely. And when we look around the province, I think there's a, a few things happening that are common in the ready area as well. And, you know, we're sort of shifting to the Uh, we'll say, alternative energy economy uh, these days. And uh, ready being a a big part potentially in the future of that. But do you see uh, some activity there, sort of that next wave of, you know, alternative energy economy where ready might be able to take advantage of its history there? Yeah, I think um, that will be in my next next phase of business cases, indeed. as part of this phase, we did actually look at um, lithium and um, using lithium brine from, uh, from wells that um, are no longer producing, that are kind of inactive and due for abandonment, but actually extracting the brine liquid, pumping down liquid and then extracting it back up with uh, and, and extracting out your lithium, which goes towards our battery manufacturing um, for uh, all of our EVs and our uh, uh, laptops and phones and whatnot. So that it, and that's, you know, lithium, at the, uh, I'm not sure if people know the process, um, the extraction of lithium is on in large scale ponds in other parts of the world where it actually uses up quite a large land mass uh, or land base. When you're extracting lithium from well, Heads, so, um, you know, it's 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 going vertically down into the ground, and then if you pop it up, pump it up, you can extract it out and separate it, um, and it's just another way of diversifying, uh, diversifying our economy here. But there's mm-hmm. there's, there's there's lots of other aspects. And um, Ready has looked as one of our communities at geothermal, so geothermal heat um, and geothermal power production. The heat would be everything into industrial greenhouses, actually heating the entire town um, with uh, so you're piping hot water into everybody's home and into um, municipal buildings and, and facilities. And certainly, I mean, if you're in Alberta or you've been in Alberta for a period of time, you know, 
uh, it can be a bit of a threat when you start talking about alternative energy uh, because you immediately think that you're displacing oil and gas. And I think uh, some of the examples that you mentioned there, Andrew, uh, really just add to uh, another way of using existing infrastructure in oil and gas in order to support uh, future development of, in your in this case, lithium uh, ion batteries or lithium sodium batteries, I think uh, is another uh, one of the, the battery technologies that's out there and, and evolving. And then uh, there, once that's you know being proven, it's just in sort of in its infancy now, it's possible to then uh, look at other elements that can be extracted in a similar way. And again, using that infrastructure with minimal uh, impact on the environment, uh, essentially the impact that has already been created through the development of, of a well network uh, in Alberta. And then, uh, and then not having the massive sort of uh, tailing ponds to dry, uh, dry out the, uh, you know, in the case of a Chilean uh, lithium mine, for example, uh, miles and miles of drying ponds uh, to, to get the uh, lithium separated as an example. Indeed, and, and you mentioned here in, in grid, so a number of wells that all will be on, on an existing grid. And um, Reddy has also looked at that for our region, um, where if they're not, if the wells aren't producing, um, for instance, natural gas to the capacity that they once did, but they're still on that grid system, that they can be grouped together and um, to fire a cogen plant to create electricity. So you're still uh, drawing from that existing gas supply um, and then burning it local to a cogen plant to create the, the power that's needed and required by industry locally. And I mean, all of this can only benefit Alberta's reputation as being a, a clean producer of energy in different forms, not necessarily all in oil and gas, but uh, in the future could be battery electric storage, uh, that uh, takes advantage of storing uh, solar and wind power as well as, uh, you know, just strengthening the grid system because, you know, we hear stories about across North America, the grid system is particularly vulnerable uh, in certain places. But in reality, when you look at Alberta's grid system, it's uh, one of the best managed in the world. So uh, it makes, makes it very advantageous for us in the long run to have uh, the types of things that we can use to uh, support that in the long run. Yeah, very true, very true. So, uh, you know, Andrew, I think it's been uh, just a wonderful conversation with you about all kinds of different things related to Ready and related to business opportunities and, and business cases and the type of an investment attraction that can be possible. Uh, in the Ready region, but also uh, universally applied into different regions across Canada. Um, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us today? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fair. It's been uh, it's been a great conversation, and I really appreciate uh, you taking the time uh, to to chat today, and uh, look forward to chatting with you down the road. Yes, indeed. And thank you, Paul, for inviting me onto your podcast. And um, to all the listeners, uh, thank you very much for taking the time out to listen. Thanks for joining me once again on Live, Work, Play, the Economic Development Podcast. 
If you have any ideas that you'd like to share and you have some guests that you'd like to join, uh, give me a, a shout at uh, p.salvatore at municipalexperts.ca. Have a great day.